Welcome to episode number 262, I Am Found, part two. This is the Rotated Views podcast with Jimmy Lee and the crew, giving you life from various perspectives. Welcome to our level. We hope you enjoy the views. Brought to you by the Blessed Lifestyle brand. Visit bl3ssed.com to get blessed. Also sponsored by The Motivation Files Unleashed. This motivational mixtape will be your fuel for success. Available on all platforms. All right, you are now tuned into the Rotated Views podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Lee Velez. I'm here with Gabe, Goose, Heck, Sean, and Christian. I am found. Part two in this episode, we have special guests, Christian, Hannah, and Sean Andrade. We cover topics that range from apparel printing designs, brand building, podcasting, COVID-19, and much more. We wrap the episode up with quotes from Kristen Armstrong and Marie Curie. Guys, if you're new, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to download and subscribe. We drop a new episode every Tuesday morning for your listening pleasure. Kicking things off. Sean and Christian, thank you for joining us. We appreciate thank you. it. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, yes, absolutely. So we had you on our show about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Then somewhere in between there, you had Gabe and myself on your show. And now you're back on our show. Yeah. This is I fun. Like it. This is fun. A little ping pong game we got going on. I like it. <laughs> um, and so you guys uh, uh, found was featured on episode 185. And wow. here we are, episode 262. <laughs> uh, so the good thing is that the podcasts are still going yeah. and the businesses are still going. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> the uh, uh, maniac well. of a year last year. So was that, that was in Feb, I know it was in February, right? February so that was of 2020? Yeah. yeah. Wow. It was right before yeah. the right lockdown before, and all yeah. that stuff. 100%. That's uh, crazy. Yeah, so very interesting times. And so fast forward, we went to get you back on, kind of get an update. Um, obviously, uh, the blessed uh, business and found do business together. So yeah. um, so uh, we just want to have you back on. So for, sure. for those of us who do not know who you are and what you do, let us know. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm the owner, creative director of Found Creative. Um, my father was on the last podcast with us, and he's the yes. vintage branch of our business, which is... For me, a lot of the uh, influence and inspiration I get is from vintage clothing. Uh, we talked about that a little bit on the last mm. podcast. Yeah. Um, but personally, Found Creative is the um, the apparel printing studio and design studio that we help all clients like Blessed um, with all different stuff from you know printing garments to coming up with concepts for their brands in general or for you know all different sorts and levels. We, tr- we try to be as large in scope and as you know open to people's creative decisions and creative ideas as possible because that's what I enjoy doing. I like yeah. to help people with crazy ideas, weird things. We've always got you know weird stuff going on, trying to dip our toes into different you know lanes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think that's what makes it fun, right? When Absolutely. You're, you help someone build almost their vision. So they come to you with something, yeah. and then you just help develop that. Yeah, for sure. I, one of my design heroes is Tinker Hatfield, who famously worked with Jordan to create the Jordan brand, basically. And I always try to emulate that kind of design um, system where I'm inspired by what people tell me or what people do in their own businesses, and I use that to kind of give them back a product that fits with what they're trying to do and fits with like who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So explain a little bit about the vintage influence, right? Mm-hmm. And so what do you find, what's inspiring to you? I know outside your dad obviously has an influence on you. Yeah, for sure. Um, and his style, but is that, is it, was it 
did it start there and now you kind of grow into your own thing? Yeah, I mean, before vintage, my dad got me into hip hop too, which is, I mean, a huge influence, I think, on what all artists and designers do nowadays. I mean, a big part of hip hop is appropriation. I mean, the first hip hop records were, uh, you know, taking samples from disco and soul and all these mm -hmm. other genres to create their own thing. And that kind of appropriation has kind of bled into all of art and all of modern art. And that kind of, my father got me into that, but then vintage was this other thing where it was like, um, it was kind of a door right into the past of like what worked with apparel printing and what worked with brands and stuff like that. And I've always kind of been interested in like that kind of engineering aspect of business where like how, what makes this company tick? You know, yeah. why does Supreme the biggest streetwear company in the world? Why does this particular brand do well? Why, what are they doing differently than their competition? Mm. Stuff like that. And I've always been interested in that. And vintage is a great lens to look at that from because you see these old promotional t-shirts and uh, like band t-shirts and stuff. And you look at the way that these individuals and artists kind of express themselves and like show themselves off. Mm -hmm. And I think it can tell you a lot about, you know, how you should be doing that as well. So I'm kind of a student of marketing and advertising, but through basically the school of what has worked in the mm. past. You know, what, what, what is, you know, a big thing for me is what has lasted so long that we still think is cool and what what made it that way you know because a lot of a lot of the stuff we see nowadays i think you can tell what stuff people want to keep for longer and and that stuff i think holds like an intrinsic weight that there's something to it that's mm. like special you know what is it do you think that influences the buyer or the audience so much that they want to purchase it they want to buy into that style that movement and then it is so much buy-in that it lasts. Well, I don't know. That's that's something I'm still trying to answer for my own brand and business. And I think it's it's different for everybody, but a lot of times it's an emotional connection to a community. Mm -hmm. I think it's mainly people go back to just what they're kind of uh, like socially a part of you know mm. like i think people look for stuff that they can they can join a group and feel like they're contributing and feel like they're uh connecting with other people and the fact that they actually like like the same things and like to talk about the same stuff and so like for my brand so for for found we have a whole line which we actually talked about after we recorded our first podcast which is filicana which i had never hadn't started at that point but now we're we're launching like I don't know our fifth or sixth collection. The whole idea behind Filicana is to kind of archive and document and put on a pedestal these pieces of Philadelphia culture, Filicana, like Americana, mm. um, that we maybe kind of just falls to our back of our mind and maybe to us feels like a um, like a surface level just just one thing, just a cheesesteak or just the signs of the lottery, like things that we kind of just subconsciously have in yeah. our mind. But I. I like as an artist want to bring that to people's attention and be like, okay, but what else does this mean? What does this tell us about culture? Like, it's sort of like an anthropology in a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where like, you know, anthropologists will go and study these cultures and they'll be like, oh, well, this is how they, you know, do marriage rituals. This is how they do religion. This is mm -hmm. how they do whatever, right? And I think that's the way you study culture from an outside perspective. But what if you do that from an inside perspective and you look at like Philly culture, like what makes it different than New York? What makes it special? What makes it tick? What are people thinking about, you know? Um, that's that's what like, that's where really where I'm coming from, from with that whole idea, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think of um, the, per the person behind the brand mm -hmm. too, uh, where there, there's people who are 
who've created brands and you don't know who they are. Right. And then you have people who are literally the face of the brand. And it's where do you want to be? I think it falls into that person's discretion, obviously. Um, But what do you think is where you would like to land uh, versus what do you think works better? Well, I think the ultimate goal with Filicana is to have other people involved. Yeah. I really do like to collaborate with people and, and I'm not... I don't approach any of this from the perspective of like the, you know, the authority on what is and what isn't Philadelphia. Mm. You know, I think even a lot of the things that I've touched on right now are things that come to my mind when I think of Philadelphia. And I know that there's, you know, what, 4 million people in the Philly, like greater area that probably all have their own ideas on what is and isn't Philadelphia. And Mm. ultimately, I want to start a conversation and have those people be involved with what we're making. So to answer your question, I put myself at the the focus and as the center point of it to kind of get everybody else out of their shell. Like I want to be the example of like, hey, I'm gonna like for example, this this collection, I'm singing in a song for the yeah. first time. Yeah. I'm not a singer. I'm not a very good singer. Yeah. Um, but it's one of these things where I want to try it out and I want to do it because I have a very clear vision of what it can be. And um, so I kind of want to open that up for other people and, and show them like, hey look, this is what I'm doing what do you think about what I'm doing? Would you wear this? Would you join in the, in this thing? If we ran an event or had a pop-up, would you come? But also at the same part, at the same part, be like every conversation I have with Filicana um, starts with the idea, but it quickly changes into, oh, well, I was down at this place and I had this example, or my grandmom used to give me lottery tickets on Christmas and this and that. And it opens up people's, you know, opens up people to talking about the thing that I want. And that's really the the point like the point is not to sell clothes necessarily like yeah selling clothes would you know float my business and help me keep doing what i want to do but ultimately i want to start those conversations because that's what i see found as a greater outside of Philicana as like i'm going to be making stuff for the people of philadelphia probably until i die so yeah. like it'd be good to have be have the brand where all of that conversation is centering around you know that's kind of the idea so for the folks that don't know and are not yet familiar with Philicana, ex- explain the uh, the collections that you already have coming out. Yeah, you for, have for sure. Came out with. So the first collection I've done, and I've now ran this twice already, is the Looking Like a Winter collection, which is um, each of these are based on a surface level thing that anybody should recognize if they're from Philadelphia or have lived here or whatever. So this one is based on the lottery, the PA lottery, which is a Pennsylvania thing, but you can't go to any gas station, convenience store, Wawa, and not see the signs, the A-frames, all the bright stuff. And my whole idea behind that was we see these bright signs everywhere, and obviously from an advertisement's point of view, they are just trying to get our attention. But I thought that the thing that was interesting is a lot of Philadelphians, that is in the back of their mind. They don't really think about those bright neon signs, even though they're bright neon signs. (laughs) And um, so my whole idea was, well, people also don't realize how lucky they are, right? Lucky, lottery. To live in a place like Philadelphia, to live in, in this country, I think a lot of, if you look, watch you know, 6ABC, a lot of it's negative. A lot of it's what's wrong with this city and what's wrong with this country. And I think looking like a winner is kind of asking people, hey, maybe take a second glance at all the stuff around you and look at how lucky you actually are yeah. to be here and to, to, to be around this stuff. And that's kind of where looking like a winner comes from. So in a lot of the clothing, similar to kind of what you guys do with Blessed, I want, it, I want it, people who wear it to feel like, hey, I'm lucky. Like I'm, yeah. I'm lucky. That that's our kind of emotion through that collection. And I could go on and on. There's a couple more collections, but Stake Your Claim is the one that we're running next, and that is 
all about the conflicts surrounding cheesesteaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek collection. Like, I'm not trying to be super serious about any of this. Obviously, I'm singing on a song, so I'm, I'm not taking myself super seriously. But there's this, there's always like these, and you guys did a podcast episode about this. There's yeah. always, you know, different sides to the story with cheesesteaks. Are you a with or without guy? American whiz? Mm. Are you, you like this role, that role? Do you like this place, that place? And I noticed all these conflicts within it, and I and like even the Geno's Pats fight, you know. Yeah. Um. And I was like, oh, that's that's an interesting thing. And people are calling themselves the kings and stuff like that. So I was like, well, what does a king do? He stakes his claim on a certain place of land. Obviously, you get the pun, stake your claim. And so that's the idea of the collection. It's like we're just asking people to tell us about their their side of the story. We want to hear what we want them to stake their claim on what their favorite thing is. And it's mainly just about being fun, but it's also just pointing out the fact that. That's a really strange thing that people are kind of have opinions about <laughs> it's true. a meat sandwich. Like yeah. sure. it's 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 it tells I think it's telling about what, you know, American culture puts influence on, you know? Yeah. So uh, when's the Tasty Cake collection coming out? Ooh, I would love to do a Tasty Cake collection. Um Man, that's a good one. me and Sean were just in Wawa earlier and I told him the other day when we were in Wawa. I mean, I could do. I could eat every tasty cake too. I, I'm eating every steak in the city. I can eat every tasty cake in Wawa. Absolutely. <laughs> I just had one coming here. The, uh, the coffee cake one. Yeah, it's absolutely. Like a pound cake with the coffee cake, little, little, uh, little buddies at the top there. It's definitely, it's definitely on the uh, docket. The thing with these collections is they, they honestly, and and you know, we're not at the point where people are are you know, clamoring to see what we're doing next. I hope we'll be there soon. But yeah. these things take forever to get together like yeah. like i when when we last spoke on this podcast i was coming out with a collection the next month and then a global pandemic happened yeah. and then that got pushed back two months and really didn't get to the point where i wanted it so almost a year later on my birthday again in the month of march i redid the collection and mm-hmm. i came up with a, a song to go with it and there's a music video and it's all vhs inspired and it's all 80s and really cool looking and a whole new collection and all of that and that took you know two and a half years to develop wow. because i because i don't i don't stop it just like oh i will want to rip the logo and put my name in the logo and then put it on a t-shirt it's like no i i want to get the concept across like if that doesn't mean a t-shirt is the best way to do that maybe like for stake your claim i think the best way is a, is a youtube series yeah because i think you gotta have a little bit of like visual like going to the cheesesteak places taking the pilgrimage across all the the whole kingdom yeah. to see all the stuff like i think that's necessary to get this idea across and that's really what i'm doing and to be honest i mean filicana is also a great marketing ploy for me to show it's a portfolio it's a walking breathing living portfolio that i can bring to anybody and be like hey look how much i put into this thing this if you pay me enough can be your thing too you know sure. it's it works in that way as well so I just really love doing it, and it has worked so far for me. So I'm. I think it's funny. Uh, I was. I was just. We were having a conversation before we got started here, and I. Just, I took my family to um, Philadelphia Phillies game, and I kid you not, I thought of you yesterday. I w- we were in line waiting for ice cream, and I just so happened to look up, and I saw Philadelphia water ice, mm-hmm. and literally thought of you and your brand. It was the strangest <laughs> thing. It was like now my association <laughs> is like something totally different. Yeah. Um, and you kind of own that in a very cool way. Thank you. Um, and creative as hell. Um, and it, it was just funny, the association that happened. But you, you said something interesting um, about 
or we had the, the conversation around influence and whether someone wanted to be the face of it versus you know behind the scenes and i think that just yeah. works for specific brands and uh we all know kanye west is um you know a very creative person and he he does this uh thing where it's almost i'm not sure if he's coming out with things because he can now you're at a point like i don't know if he he's that brilliant that because he can or is he he really wants this to be a thing a style right so now we're at this weird why i am i'm like is he is he messing with us because some of this stuff it's it's I, I see no fashion in it, right? right? And I see no, and it's very bland. It's super plain. And I think, in the same sense, he's trying to say, I can sell anything. Yeah. Um, literally, I'm selling these yeah. really baggy jogging clues and these really goofy looking slides. And so, where do you think where it becomes not culture vulture, but more of like you're just taking advantage of what, the situation that you're in because mm. you're so influential? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's a good question. I, I, I ask myself the question sometimes of, if so-and-so cheesesteak place or so-and-so brand came to me and said, hey, we love what you're doing. Can we make an official collaborative thing? Honestly, although that's like kind of dream kind of scenario for a small brand, I'd probably have to say no to them. Yeah. Because as much as it's, you know, could be this great influence and have this great impact in the city. Now, obviously, the Sixers come to me and they're like, we want you to make a shirt. Hmm. I might not be part of the Phil Econa line, but I'll sure lend my talents to this sure. company. Like, yeah. that's not what I'm saying. But, like, the Phil Econa line, in my, in my idea, is, like, it's postmodern. It's not, yeah. it's not within, it's, it's, it's commentating on the modern culture. You know what yeah. I mean? So, in that way, yeah, I mean, I mean, Kanye wants to do anything he can because he has the power to do so. But I also think that's interesting. I mean, like, you look at, like, Warhol, and he was doing the same stuff. Like, he had the ability and clout in New York to do whatever he wanted, and he was screen printing pictures of cans, you know? Yeah. So, and, and for a good purpose, for a good reason. So I, I think in some ways, like, even asking people to wear clothing that is styled in the shape of an A-frame lottery sign is an ask, and I know yeah. that. I, I'm yeah. not selling, you know, Gap sweatshirts that anybody can wear anytime in any climate, in any anything, yeah. right? They're very, very hyper-specific. And even at some point, I have to ask myself, you know, is this even a piece of clothing anymore or this, is this meant to be art? Is this not yeah. even meant to be worn at, at this point? Like, I'm making some things for the collection that are one-offs, some that are, you know, super specific to a certain person who has a certain style, but I hope that it eventually makes that, crosses that threshold and becomes like, well, actually, you can do whatever you want with this. This doesn't have to be, like clothes per se you know and i want to kind of get into other spaces where there's stuff that lives forever like video or like music that you know isn't based on a physical object even though i think last time i was on i talked about how much i love physically making things but yeah yeah that that's that's kind of where i'm sitting with that one do you see and to tie the whole vintage thing right uh do you see maybe collectors in the future having your version of a rookie card oh that is that is my one of my biggest dreams i think that more than anything i think the the affirmation that somebody would go into a thrift store or goodwill or something like that and see one of my shirts and say i can't pass this up like i need to have this whether they know whether they're in the know about who i am or whether it's it would be even better if they're just you know completely coming in sober to the thought and just yeah. see the shirt and are like i need this yeah um i think another thing to think about is like like i said i'm not designing for you know 
a fall collection for a large department store. It's not meant to fit into your wardrobe or fit into your usual style. That's I'm not thinking about the rude, but I'm not thinking about the consumer in that way and what yeah. they think. I'm I'm trying to challenge people's perception of what the stuff around them is. So in a way like like I'm I'm trying to make it so that people really are introspective mm-hmm. about what they're doing. Yeah, I I think I lost my track a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, no no no, I got you. Um so so to rewind back, you, you, you said something interesting where you were launching a collection and then we the, the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about the effects of the uh, coronavirus um, and you know how you managed it, how you navigated through all that? I know every business, yeah. large or small, has been affected. Just to what extent and how, how you, you know went through it? Yeah, I mean, it's honestly, it's been a it's been a roller coaster. So I mean, as far as you know personal contact that I have, my business has with people, I'm pretty low contact. It's, it's me and Sean. And when I started, when the pandemic started, Sean wasn't even working with me yet. So I, I rarely come in contact with people. So a lot of the time that was actually helpful to my business because yeah. people didn't have any squeamishness of me leaving a box of shirts out and then picking it up and, yeah. you know, sending me money through Venmo, right? Like that didn't kind of, that kind of greased their wheels and like made it all fine. And People still needed stuff. There was less, you know, event work really, and but also more, you know, side project work and things that people were like, "Oh, I have this brand that I've been wanting to do. Like, can we work on this?" So, it's still been okay in that way. The part that has been tough. So, um, I talked about that relaunch of the lottery collection. The next month, I had planned a very big collection collaborating with the Philly Pretzel Factory, mm. and specifically the one in Langhorn. Um, shout out to Brian. He. He's a really talented uh, artist with pretzels. He makes stuff out of pretzels. And um, I always wanted to, I, I saw I was working it. I was like, well, this is a perfect Venn diagram of like, you know, stuff that I make and stuff that's realistic, like, you know, real, really attached to the actual thing of pretzels, you know, yeah. an, another Philly staple, right? But right, bef- right as the day before we were about to shoot a big photo shoot with all my cousins dressed in, um, it's a long story, but dressed in pretzel-related Catholic school attire, running around a playground for this cool video we're going to make. Um, I got COVID. Wow. <laughs> and um, it really it really derailed the uh, derailed the collection. We still ended up doing the pop-up which is about which was about 2 weeks after I got it. So I was I was clear. I was a couple days clear, so I was fine. Um, I ended up going to the pop-up. The pop-up was, you know, pretty successful still for for the amount of promotion that I wanted to do, but I wanted it to be, you know, the one to punch to the the lottery collection and then the pretzel day like right up against each other and that wasn't you know really doable yeah. but um so so you launched a collection the pandemic hit mm-hmm. you then have a collaboration you literally got hit with the pandemic <laughs> yeah um are you going to try to redo something with Brian yeah yeah probably i i um i'll probably do a lot of the stuff a lot of here's the thing about running something like Philicana is in my mind they're never over the collections yeah. are never over and and in reality, as I progress, my capabilities and the people who I have access to and the people who are willing to collaborate with me continue to grow. So, like, we're excited to release stuff that we've already done again because yeah. we know that we can bring something more to it. Like, this Stake Your Claim thing, this was also released during the pandemic originally, and it was one of the most successful um, products. It was one of my kind of products that kind of bridged a gap because what we did was we took a shirt. It wasn't this shirt specifically, but it had 
found across the front in um, Cooper Black, which is the font that uh, Steve's, Steve's uses, yeah. and then a crown above it, like Steve's. And then on the back, it had a big, um, almost like a butcher's advertisement for the Italian market, and it had a big cheesesteak, or a big steak on it, a raw steak. And, um, but that wasn't what was cool about it. That was a cool shirt and whatever. But what really put it over the top is I took a little page out of um, Johnny Cupcake's book, and I wrapped it like a cheesesteak, and I taped it like a cheesesteak, yep. and I wrote in Sharpie the size of the shirt just like a hoagie or cheesesteak. So, like, it was, it was my first step into, okay, in order to get this idea across, I want to translate, I want to take the original product, deconstruct it with the ideas, and then put it, on, put it in front of somebody again as it appears, but with different things inside, you know, to, to, to show you this and be like, that's a cheesesteak. And then you unru unravel it and it's a t-shirt, right? Um, it, with the lottery collection redo, we included handmade um, scratch off tickets that put you into a winning, a draw, like, you know, you scratched off just like a real one. And at the bottom, it would tell you what you won mm -hmm. if you got the right numbers and stuff. And there were a bunch of products and we had a bunch of products go. And um, it was, it was like a way to bring it back to the original thing. And that's, I think, what's important, too, is that people, like, feel like they're, you know, with the original stuff. And, that, and that's a, you know, Johnny Cupcakes does stuff like that with his bakery store, but it's also, like, a Warhol thing where he would, you know, have, like, the, the borax and, like, different boxes and stuff and little sculptures in his, in his exhibits and stuff. So I think it just gets people's mind back on that original thing. And it's also a creative twist, and it's also another way to show off that we can, you know do these crafty things that are really intricate and well done too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it's super dope. I love that. Um, so explain any feedback you've received from clients. Have you, I just, you know, foolishly kidding around about the tasty cake thing. Hopefully it does turn to something, but ha have you received anything? Oh, when are you going to do X, Y, and Z? Um, you know, just anything like that, that, that kind of taps into their childhood or, yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said before, somebody told me, uh, this was on a podcast with uh, John Demshock. He, he told me, um, this is, we we're talking about the lottery collection, and he worked on a pair of shoes that was the grand prize of the collection. And uh, he was telling me about his grandmom who bought him lottery tickets as it, for Christmas. And like, I was just talking to my little brother the other day about, you know those boxes that are like the, the, the Danish cookie boxes? And in everybody's house, you open them up, and they're not cookies. They're sewing. Yeah, sewing yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And... What's so weird about that is why do we all have that same memory? Like, <laughs> was this a advertisement that they ran that were like, you can put your sewing stuff in here? Yeah. Or yeah. like, did, did somebody did did like um what's her name uh, Martha Stewart get on and be like, you got to use these boxes? Like, what happened that everybody's grandma was like, I gotta keep this box? Yeah, you know, yeah. like, and it's stuff like that where it's like with the lottery, like like I got lottery tickets in my birthday cards all the time, but like. You grow up and you don't do that anymore and you forget about that. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You forget about how lucky you were to get those and how fun it was to play that game and yeah. stuff as a kid. You know, so that's, again, going back to the collection, that's how it comes back. So, yeah, it, it's a lot of people say stuff like that. I mean, uh, the, the in-person and, you know, conversational success of this brand just speaks volumes. Like, yeah. whenever I talk to people, even when you get somebody who's like a Philly hater or like a Philly self-hater you can still get them on like because not all the collections are meant to be this you know flowery we live in a beautiful perfect society that's not the point either like it's it's to because i mean the, the cheesesteak conflict has has 
escalated a couple times to yeah. some bad extents, you know, and, and probably caused some fights at Phillies games and stuff like that. That kind of stuff, too, is, like, not um, – it's not off the table either. So, like, even people hate on Philadelphia. It's like, okay, but recognize why you hate. Like, why did you – why do you hate that? Why do yeah. you think that's stupid? Like, there's a lot of people who self-hate about cheesesteak specifically because it's like, well, that's not all what Philadelphia is. What about the arts and the culture and the, and the universities and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, great. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, why are we so obsessed with this sandwich? You know what I mean? Um, and that's kind of like uh, – that's kind of interesting too, I think. Yeah. For all, all of us to think about. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> um, that's cool. Yeah, because I get I get uh, you know with the the, the blessed uh, brand we get thing we get feedback I yeah. call it feedback we get feedback all the time some of it's awesome some of it's just like okay yeah um, but uh, I, what I enjoy about it is that they're they're wanting to interact yeah. with a brand you know what I'm saying like they're not coming to me because they know me or they um they're comfortable with having a conversation with me outside of clothes they're actually enjoying what we're putting out and producing and even felt compulsed to say something right how can i interact with that brand um that's where i find it fascinating there's something there yeah um and and if you're utilizing that feedback i'm not saying because listen we've gotten awful feedback between the brands the podcast and everything else but everyone has right yeah everyone here has gotten terrible advice on life from someone right yeah um, but it's how we utilize that, right? It's almost like going back to your parents giving you great advice and how you applied that to actual life. Mm-hmm. So look at looking at your brand, what feedback people are giving you and how you're actually applying it. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, with this collection specifically, there's a huge emphasis on um, interaction because we need to hear about the culture and the conversation of the cheesesteaks. That's a whole point of the collection. And so like we made a survey that you can take. It's on our, it's in our bio um, right now. And it's just 10 questions or 10 or 11 questions about like cheesesteaks. And it's like, what's your best drunken cheesesteak story? Yeah. With or without, what roles you like, what, what all this stuff. And sure, it's, it's a little insane to do that. That's a little bit of a weird thing to do is to come up with a cheesesteak survey and ask people to fill it out. <laughs> But it's I love it. all in the sake of the fun of the collection, you know what sure. I mean? And and every video of the collection, we're going to end it with, like, stake your claim. We want to know what you guys feel in the comments because I, I talk to Sean all the time. We put out, put out a ton of video content, a ton of YouTube stuff, a ton of podcasts, and the best thing I could ever get is a comment. Yeah. Like, likes are nothing to me. They're, they're just a number on a screen. I don't really care. Yeah. Views are a little bit more because it means that, you know, somebody's watching, yeah. but, yeah. like, a comment and an, a thoughtful comment, a, an insightful comment, is the best part. And and I've realized that like I have to be proactive and I have to be like uh, focused and like pushing to have people respond and have people talk to me. And I and that kind of goes back to your question before about you know are you the center of the brand? Are you the focus? Are you the face? I gotta be because there's gotta be a face to talk to. Yeah. Otherwise, nobody's gonna talk to a wall. But if they they feel like there's somebody there, even if they're coming to hate on me, at least there's some back yeah, and forth sure. developing because that person will come and hate, but then somebody will come to my defense. Yeah. And then that person, another person will meet them and then they'll have a friendship and then they'll, you know, connect over the table with our brand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's absolute 
brilliance in comments. <laughs> I mean, I literally there's yeah. sometimes I go just straight to comments. Yeah. Like, I don't even I briefly look at what this is about and I go cuz I'm going to get just as entertained or even more entertained in the comment section. Um but in a, in a specific constructive way, there is some value value there. Yeah. Uh, whether someone's ripping an artist apart or they're just complimenting, oh my God, you're the best thing ever. Yeah. Uh, either way, there's something. And yeah. I remember at one point, I think I think it was Instagram. I don't know if it's Instagram or t- somebody was going to take delete comments altogether, remove really? the comment section, and I was. And all I could think of, this is literally the only reason why what's keeping me here. Yeah. Mm. Is com is feedback. Yeah. Um. It goes to to the just quality. You go for quality of life to quality of sound. When we're all listening, when we're getting this started, can you hear me? Can you hear me? This is giving us feedback. And yeah. if it's not right, if it's not, you know, we got to make the adjustments. It's the same thing with you know bu- building a brand. It's if you're not listening to people, people are telling you day in and day out, this sucks. Fix it, and you're yeah. not listening at all. And they're the same people you're trying to sell to. It sure. makes no sense. Yeah. Um, so I think that's cool as hell. You got the survey, uh, you got the commentary. Um, so so explain a little bit about adding Sean to the team For sure. and and how that came about and and why. Yeah. So me and Sean. Um, well, Sean, do you want to tell a story? Uh, I mean, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Tell them how Let's we met. It. I guess. Uh, we met at school. Um, we both rode the same train, and I was like, oh, I recognize your face. Yeah. And then we just became friends after that and started talking. Yeah, yeah. You know, we had a lot of the same classes. Yeah. It was in high school. College. Or college. college yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. We're bo- we both went to University of the Arts on Broad Street for graphic design. Nice. Awesome. Um, and then, like, a year or two later, he just hit me up and was like, hey, you want to work for me? I was like, yeah, sure. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Sean, Sean, I knew Sean had some, like, audio technical skills backed up. And yeah. I was like, oh, that'll be useful because i don't know how to do any of that yeah, yeah, yeah. and and i also knew you know me and sean worked on like every project basically in school together from that at least like back and forth like showing each other stuff so i was like oh well, he's he's good enough to you know help Absolutely. me out with this like he, he knows what he's doing um yeah so that was that was the easiest hire ever and we've been working on stuff ever since it was like still a couple months before we started a podcast right yeah like three months yeah so so explain that part. what made you transition to the podcast because i like the way you were doing you were kind of sharing your experience initially what you had and in the background you have some of your stuff branded things so yeah. explain that and why the podcast and yeah i mean so our our um our first podcast is even one that's kind of taken a back seat as of late so we started with found time which the uh the idea behind that was just to sort of find time whenever we could because we're super busy to record a podcast and the Mm -hmm. podcast topic for the most part would be on found it'd be found time so um we started that and we we did what 30 28 30 episodes um and we kept that going for a while and and it was fun to do but it, it didn't feel like it had a purpose like it didn't feel like it was very focused and it and i knew from you know just experience and knowing podcasts that i listen to like if there's not you know some standard of like this is what you're gonna get this mm. is what they're gonna do then it's difficult to keep up with something you mm. know what i mean like we're so we're so all over the place already yeah that like you can't also be all over the place within one section of your business is also insane you know what i mean sure. that's a golden nugget for you <laughs> listeners out there right now um and so what we really started to focus on was like okay well we have these shows that do work whenever we have vintage resellers on um, a lot of them, my dad's friends or my friends from Instagram, they do really well. They do significantly better on the views and 
the only the only reason in my head that that was the truth was because we were giving something that people didn't necessarily get a lot of the time. Yeah. As number one, these dudes didn't really have a platform to talk about. There are a couple other vintage podcasts, but they're all like at the same level that we are right now, but with half of the production and half of the thought and time put into it, mainly yeah. because they're run by guys who are really busy and yeah. who are picking all the time and are in these places all the time. So they don't have time to you know do a podcast or at least if they don't have time, they don't have the focus to do it yeah. or mm-hmm. discipline. And um, so, you know, I was like, okay, well, let's do like eight episodes. And like, that's a good number. Like I, I like, I like the number eight. That's what I wore in, wore in high school football. That's, that's a good yeah. number. And it'll, it'll last about a season, right? Like it'll last yeah. about a, about a season if we do them biweekly. So, you know, I like scheduled the, the, the podcast and we had our, our friend Aiden work on the animations and the intros and stuff. And um, it went really well. We just finished the season last week. Actually, our next, our last episode, our season finale episode comes out tomorrow at nine. Um, halfway through the season, we realized, hey, we should film these live because Sean's spending three hours editing stuff. Yeah. Why don't we just cut that out and you spend three hours making clips that we can put on Instagram instead? Yeah. And people love clips too. I, yeah. it's, we've noticed people love little snippets. And um, so we started doing that and uh, it's just been really fun. A, a lot of people, I think one of the, the proofs that I've ever doing something well is if the people who are like making stuff very similar are, are already interested. You know, all the vintage resellers and stuff are interested in our show. And I'm like, oh, well, that's got to be your early adopters, right? Like that's yeah. got to be the people right before the, the horde of all fans after that come in. You know what I mean? So like if they're interested in our show, we're doing something right. And basically with that show, it's like um, we have guys on, they sit next to me and half of it show and tell where they bring in their best pieces and show them um, in a way that's not, they're not selling. They're not, yeah. it's not an auction. There's a lot of auctions on Instagram for vintage stuff. It's not that. It's just about the piece, about the story, about how they got it. And um, we just talk, you know, all these little weird hobbies that these guys get into and the little weird things they collect and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So so where are you guys at now with the podcast? Um, we're doing another season of what we do. That'll begin uh, about a week, week and a half from now. And we're switching to weekly. So we're going to do a, an episode a week, another eight episodes to, to run us through the end of the year. Um I'm really excited. We got some bigger guests on. Uh, I, I think we've locked in at this point. Uh, Ruben, who's the guy who um, popularized the Mitchell and Ness jersey back wow. in the early 2000s. He's a really big name around here um, for streetwear stuff, at least. Uh, we have a couple great, um, great episodes planned. One about how to start a vintage store. One about how what running a vintage pop-up event is like nowadays. Um, part of the part of the idea of what we do about the po- the podcast is to kind of archive and like just like survey it like we're just want to show you like what it's like right now doing this yeah. you know because it's probably by most people's estimate vintage is going to change a lot yeah like really quick like different stuff's going to be sold it might be less popular it might not be on trend anymore i mean the trends already lasted pretty long but like a lot of them are worried that it's just gonna bottom out like yeah. so we're kind of trying to like you know, capture the moment a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. Um, things come in waves, right? And, yeah. you know, it's, I love that you're capturing the now uh, because I just saw uh, one of my buddies posted on social media um, collecting, uh, you know, card, uh, baseball cards and basketball cards are back, are back. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so he dug up um, his collection that has been frozen 
in a time capsule basically for 20 years and he's he had stuff that he's like oh my gosh i don't know what made me preserve these when i was 10 but for whatever reason i did and now here i am this 30 year old man like looking at my own co collection in f complete fascination yeah and i found that to be so there was something so rewarding about that i i was like living through him it wasn't even my collection and i was excited for him right um and when we had your dad on uh, we're talking about when you find, not necessarily you have to find the Holy Grail of anything, but it was just like something that means it's the Holy Grail to you. Yeah. It, it mean, it's important to you. Like the guy had basketball cards. I'm like, eh, they're, they're nice. But to him, they meant the world. And all I could think of is like, wow, imagine opening up a time capsule of 20 years ago when you were a kid and you're looking down and you're like, oh my gosh. And imagine a flush of thoughts and memories that are just rushing to you because um, heck you did that recently too you at all these uh yeah I pulled out a uh, an old drawstring bag that we had moved to the house three years ago and uh i was just rummaging through it and i opened it up and it's a book that i put all michael jordan scotty pippen cards in there and they just stayed in there i never took them out mind you i was 10 years old when i did that i'm 40 now this year and they just been sitting in there and they're like in pristine condition and i'm like the worth of these gotta be something. <laughs> like, yo, this thing's gotta be worth some. And it's a lot of them are duplicates. There's a couple all star cards that are eh, okay, but then there's like the upper deck came out with their style cards, and a Fleer had their own different like different things going on. And I just remember in Christmas, like at Christmas as a kid, my parents got us each. I was into base basketball, and he was into baseball, so they got me like this big box of just like uh upper was it was it upper deck i think it was upper deck or fleer a box of cards and i would just sit there unwrap each package and just rummage through the cards and then pick out what i wanted and save them so i mean here yeah. we go it's like 30 30 years later they're still in pristine condition so, so random we my i took my son to um a flea market or no me and goose went to a flea market and we we found um baseball cards in the old school um waxed wrapping with oh, yeah. that hard piece of single gum that was in there and then so i remember so i ran home or we got home and i ran to my son i'm like this is how we used to open up baseball cards and i showed i got different pra uh, packages are from like 87 to like 1992 yeah. classic just the being just that being alone that nobody has opened them from that long that time ago so it's literally it's my crazy. childhood and like like just right there and i was opening him <laughs> he was opening it and just staring at me because of my reaction i'm saying all all of this to to go back to you about you capturing the scene now mm -hmm. and if you fast forward 20 years from now and you watch you guys are gonna laugh or oh, whatever or cry whatever and it's like it's so dope yeah it's for sure and like we talk about that all the time like one of my favorite things to do honestly is to like we play a game where so every every year i like to do a little recap last year was our first time we ever did like a video recap where we did a podcast about the 10 best things i'd made the year before nice and me and Sean have talked about it like what maybe five six times now like pretty much at the end of every month we're like did anything this month crack the top 10 yeah like did anything that did anything like really knock us out of the park this month and like that's become a fun game that we can play together that we can be like like he and, and we have different totally different opinions where he's yeah. like he's like no that's easily top three I'm like dude I don't even I was tired when I made that like I don't even like that thing anymore and he'll be like no 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 that's the best one and I'm like all right so like 
that even that now like even with this the small amount of stuff that we've made now compared yeah. to what you guys are up to yeah, yeah. 200 some episodes yeah for um sure. is so cool to look back and be like oh what were we doing at that point i mean like you know I, I don't know if i told this i told this on my podcast plenty i don't know if i said this in the last one one of the my favorite things my dad's ever found and it's not because of what it is necessarily but it's where it's from and who it's from is a um a shirt that Shepard Fairey printed when he was in college at RISD for a brand that predates Andre Andre has a posse's whole thing and obey and all of that. Wow. Um, it's like a uh, it's like a it's like the shining and it's it's the scene where he's breaking through the door and I forget what it says on it, but it's it's got a whole thing like a repeated it, it looks like something Shepard Fairey would make and we don't know that it was like screen printed by him specifically yeah. but like there was only like a couple people working with him at the time it was like him and his buddy so like it was either him or the, the other guy it's from this time it's from this specific artist who now is one of the largest names in all of art in general and to me that's so cool like could you imagine if if you knew somebody or you knew an artist and you were able to look back so far into their catalog that it's like they're like primordial like yeah. just beginning yeah. kind of first steps yeah. like we were watching um you, you showed me the Antique Roadshow clip of Kanye, mm-hmm. and it's like Kanye's, this guy had Kanye's drawings from when he was in like high school and like college. It was, oh, he, wow. you know, it was all at all these fine art schools and stuff. They're really good, by the way, but um, you don't think of him as like a visual artist necessarily, mm-hmm. but like, that's so crazy. Like, that's so cool to just see like, and you can see like in some of the work he did, like you can see where he didn't draw, he didn't do the paintings for My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, but like you can see in his high school stuff where it's like, I see where he could have given that idea to somebody yeah, else yeah, and like yeah. got there. Yeah. It's like, it's like just so cool. And so to, for me to be able to do that with myself someday and be like, oh, remember when we were making this thing and how it eventually became that thing? I really like that. I really like to, I'm very OCD like that where I like to look back and like, obviously I love nostalgia and stuff like that if I'm into vintage this much, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying that. That's cool. What uh? What's something that you guys haven't done that you want to do when it comes to found? That's tough. I mean, I'm so focused on like what we're doing right now that it's it's really tough, especially since we got a collection coming out like this weekend. That yeah. that it's 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 tough to see that far into the future. But um, I mean, mainly I want to like continue to collaborate. Yeah. Like I think that's the biggest thing and that's one that one thing that I've emphasized in this collection in the products we made as well is that I want to like get people involved, get people wanting to make stuff with us, like things like that are are like really what I'm craving at this point. Yeah. Um So yeah, I mean it's it's tough to say. I I like my goals for the future are one to keep doing this, two to get it out to as many people as possible. And to keep trying to find ways to reach people more intimately, you know, to get people like I talked about making the products that are like the products that we are, are appropriating from. And like that goes a long way to getting into people's emotional space. Like from a psychological point of view, like if I put a thing that looks like a cheesesteak in front of you, you're mentally primed for an experience that you've had before. Mm. Like you're like, you know, I know what happens next. I unwrap this and then I bite into it, you know? Um, and then you get switched and it's like, oh, that's not what we're doing here. But that gets you in just the right mix of like, you're in that headspace for the cheesesteak, but you're pulled out of it just enough to observe 
what it might mean to you. Mm. That's you cool. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that's what's really I'm trying to get at is like that that spot right there, that that sweet spot where people are just just a little bit confused, but also have enough to grab onto that like they kind of get what's going on. So, so explain what you have coming out. Sure. Um, so, Stake Your Claim is coming out this October, October 2021. Um, on Saturday, October 2nd and 3rd, I believe, is Saturday and Sunday. Um, we'll have two videos up already um, from Pats and Gino's, the first two places on our cheesesteak tour. Uh, we'll have the whole tour um, put up to by then and a uh, special music video as well for the song that comes along with the collection. But over the course of the of October, every weekend on Saturday and Sunday, we'll have two videos come out from 10 different cheesesteak places. And um, along with each video, there'll be history about the place or about a specific um, ingredient or, or moment in, in cheesesteak history, along with a review. And in each review, I'm going to be ordering a cheesesteak the way that the place would recommend, basically. Mm, gotcha. So so like, um, I don't know, Pat's would recommend provolone, but they're the that's the original cheese. It's the original cheesesteak place. I wanted to get that with provolone. Mm. You know, later on, Max's is on our tour, and, and they're big on toppings. They go, ketchup and mayo is like the works at Max. And I'm like... I don't do that. I'm at Max's. Give me that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm trying to take each one at their best, and yeah. um, and then no no Fugazi like scores, no like seven point nine out of blah 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 blah. I'm not acting like I'm you know Gordon Ramsay out there. I don't yeah. know about food. I'm just telling you <laughs> kind of which one for me is the king at that point. So it's going to be a king of the hill style. So after episode one, Geno's will go against Pat's, and whoever wins that, the next contender will have to face the previous king and have to dethrone them. And at the end of 10 episodes, whatever cheesesteak places left standing will be our king. And mm. if the people love it, maybe we'll do more. Maybe we'll continue the series. Um, I don't know how much my heart can take of <laughs> two, two cheesesteaks a week, but um, you know, I, I'll love, I'd love to do like one every now and then, you know? Yeah. Mm. No, that's awesome. Um, yeah, man. And then, and then uh, I guess, from here, what what's uh, some of the things you're you're doing with your pop, or what he what's he doing uh, that folks can look out for? Well, it's funny that you mentioned baseball cards because he is he's big into basketball, baseball, football cards now. He's got my little brother Oliver opening packs with him and stuff. Nice. Um, I mean, he's 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 doing he's doing what he's always doing. He's always picking stuff. He's always got stuff for sale on his story and stuff like that. Um, me and him are always working on like different jersey customization that is just like. You know, you find it, bl blank jerseys are hard to come by. So when you come by them, we do a cool little project. We'll post them up every once in a while when we find them. Um, but yeah, that's that's what he's got up. Cool. Um, all right. So one question that I love to ask, um, we ask every guest, and I'm sure we asked you last time, but how do you manage the, the, the work-life balance? So how do you go from in and out of uh, things you have going on Work-wise versus how do you keep it? How do you keep your personal life, or is it all smushed in together? And it is kind of is this is your life? Generally, poorly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's definitely a skill that I'm always I'm always working at. Um, you know, I think especially during this sum this summer, a huge personal goal of mine was like to take time off and like go down the shore and like spend time just doing nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, and doing a podcast and doing running a collection. We didn't even talk about, you mentioned a little bit, Thicker Than Water was our collection we ran yeah. for 
three, four months throughout the whole summer. Um, sticking with one collection that long is, was a challenge too. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I have to personally, cause I'm very much like work, work, work. Like I started work today at nine. I'll probably leave here and still do some stuff at home yeah. at like 11. Yeah. Um, you know, part, part of it is like, well, it's just me and Sean. So if I don't do it or he doesn't do it, it doesn't get done. Yeah. So yeah, like yeah. sometimes you just have to do shit that, you know, puts you out of some sleep. But like for the most part, I found my nice groove. I have a very odd sleep schedule. It's usually like 10 to like two. Like yeah. I'm up at like 10 in the morning. I don't get into work till like 11. And like most businesses, most people are like, what are you talking about? How do you get in there? <laughs> yeah. That's just what we do. Like we work well at night. We'll record podcasts at seven, eight o'clock. Like, you know, we're, we're finishing stuff up so that I, I always work under the mentality of like finish it today. So you don't got to do it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I like to, you know, also I like to get one thing done a day. I like to have a post up. I like to have a thing in my head that like we did that today. Yes. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it just helps my brain to like, you know, narrow in on it. But, um, yeah, it's I, I work on a lot of different strategies to try to keep myself from working too much, and I usually still work too much, but it's a it's a constant thing, constant battle, <laughs> but it's fun. So, so one recommendation uh, for anyone who's trying to start a small business or is thinking about it. So I remember what I said last time. Yeah. Last time I said start now, which yeah. is still great advice. Um, but on top of that, I would say. Start now, but give yourself time. Hmm. You know, you see a lot of this, you see this all the time on like Instagram posts and stuff where like, you know, so-and-so individual started this business when they were 50, when they yeah. were 60, when they were 70, when they yeah. were all these different ages. And it's like, the truth of it, it doesn't have anything to do with age. It doesn't have anything to do with any of that. Like it can just be circumstances sometimes. You might be in a particular field that like really hard to get going and yeah. you just got to wait for your wave like you're surfing and just wait for it to roll in but i think always and i me and sean were talking about this on the way home always be conscious of like why you're doing the thing that you're doing mm. because i think there's a lot of people that are at a similar space to like where i am right now and the amount of like legitimacy they have in quotes for everybody yeah. at home um <laughs> uh whereas like are you doing this because you enjoy doing it awesome are you doing it because you want to sustain yourself? Awesome, but that comes with requirements. Yeah. That has prerequisites that it has to give a certain amount back to you. It has to be doable along with the rest of your life. You have to make money off of it. You have to do all these things. So like I would say for small businesses, define what you're doing, define what you're doing it for, and use that to figure out like, okay, how much time should I allocate to this? How much should I wait to see if it's going to work out? Stuff like that. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I just heard a, um, I don't know what the heck I was listening to. I, I make a point every morning, whether it's on my drive in or drive home, to listen to something inspiring. And I was listening to um, Steve Harvey, and he was talking about a similar concept of saying it's never too late. Mm -hmm. um, and how you just said, you know, such and such started a business. But I didn't know this, but he, his whole point was to write your goals down anyway. So he's saying, write your goals down. He's like, I wrote the goal of being, I've always wanted to be on stage mm -hmm. and be a comedian. 
He's like, I was nine or 10 years old. He said, you want to know the first time I was in on stage as a comedian? I was 37 years old. And I thought mm. about that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought he's been doing like a, a yeah. you know, and it was just amazing to me. And then he said, and so did the barber. Everyone remembers Steve Harvey when he had that crazy lineup. He was getting four haircuts a week. And the first time he was, he was talking about the first time he got a haircut from that same barber uh, was in 1986. And in 1986, he paid $10 for that haircut. And that $10 haircut then went to, at one point, to $1,500 a haircut that Steve Harvey himself was paying. He had this guy, um, he was paying this guy $6,000 a week for, through, through haircuts. Um, and then he said, uh, you know, we had, a, we had to watch the guy because then I, you know, shaved my head. And now all of a sudden this guy, and Steve Harvey gave this barber a severance pay. <laughs> How crazy is that? Anyway, That's this amazing. all kind of blows down. But he said the whole time that guy never strayed from who he was. He was a barber. Mm -hmm. He says he was still giving me that $10 haircut. Right, it was just what value I was putting on it because I had to call him, right. you know, come to California, and I was flying him in, doing all that stuff. But it was still he was so good at what he did mm -hmm. that it was worth six thousand dollars a week yeah. to Steve Harvey, and he said he gave him a severance pay. Um, and what did he do? He said how Steve Harvey says he said he cut more hair. How did he cut more hair? He has um, two beauty academies like seven barber shops and he just kept going he's like the guy makes 3.5 million dollars a year now right the guy's still do giving me he's still giving people his 10 dollar haircut that's what he's trying to say he's like folk he's like just go with what you're good at to go back on your point know yeah. why um and then he was talking about another friend who of his as a childhood friend who was cutting grass and they would make fun of him because he would actually charge a little bit extra to cut the neighbors and people, I guess, were very prideful. Their initials into their own grass, and like that was like that was the move. <laughs> like if you had this kid do it, that was the thing. Um, and anyway, so to fast forward, that kid was just cutting grass. And he's like, and we're making fun of him um, because we're going out and playing and hanging out. But this guy's like, no, I'm really good at this. This is yeah. what I want to do. And everyone's going to school and doing all those crazy things. And this guy was still cutting grass. And he's like, fast forward. He's like, again, this same guy has a four million dollar year business. He's still cutting grass, though. Like he's still he's stuck to what you know. Yeah. Um, and however, they obviously developed that, right? Yeah. Um, and so you guys are tapping into your creative minds, and it's like you're still c tapping into that same creative mind as you did when you were five years old, and yeah. you're just like looking up in the sky and thinking crazy things. Um, but it's just tapping into that. Like we all have gifts, and just it's just like capitalizing on that in a positive way, capitalizing and growing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In, in design, there's a big thing about, um, and in, in cutting hair too, I think, like, you know, I'm not necessarily charging you for the hour of work because the hour of work's not going to change. Yeah. You know, the time it takes to cut a hair is probably going to go down. The time yeah. I take to design is probably going to go down as I keep doing it. But I'm not charging you for that. I'm charging you for the, my entire life up to exactly. that point, including that hour. Exactly. And for most people... There, there's a, a certain amount of people that don't care about that, that yeah. won't, won't buy into that, won't believe that. But there's also an amount of people who are really great who will yeah. and who will pay that price, whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. All right. So any parting words from either Sean or Christian? Um, nothing much. Check us out on uh, Found Creative on YouTube and Found Creative on Instagram. We post stuff all the time. Like I said, we got two episodes coming out uh, this weekend, the past weekend for you guys, but also... The future we get for you guys so tons of cheesesteak content if you guys like cheesesteaks come drop a hate comment in my in my dms <laughs> <I love it. laughs>
Awesome. All right, we'd like to wrap things up with quotes, and the first one is by Kristen Armstrong. When we focus on our gratitude, the tide of disappointment goes out, and the tide of love rushes in. And the second one by Marie Curie. We must have perseverance and, above all, confidence in ourselves. We must believe that we are gifted for something. I am found. Part two in this episode, we have special guests, Christian, Hannah, and Sean Andrade. We cover topics that range from apparel printing designs, brand building, podcasting, COVID-19, and much more. We wrap the episode up with quotes from Kristen Armstrong and Marie Curie. Awesome. Guys, thanks again for joining us. The Rotated Views podcast was produced for self-development purposes. Huge shout out to our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the Blessed Lifestyle brand. That is BL3SSED.com. Also sponsored by The Motivation Files Unleashed. This motivational mixtape will be your fuel for success. Available on all platforms. Guys, don't forget to visit the website, JimmyLeeVelez.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rotated Views. If you have any inquiries or questions, email us at info at JimmyLeeVelez.com. On behalf of myself and the rest of the crew, we wish you massive success. Stay blessed. <laughs>